The cap table sponsor is the Aperture Group. The Aperture Group puts people at the center of everything they do as a full-service workforce solution firm. They specialize in creating strategic staffing solutions that can move your business forward. Whether it's permanent placement, contract to hire, or on-demand labor options, their flexible, creative approach allows you to focus on your business and leave staffing and recruiting to them. They believe that work should matter and are committed to that outcome for both their candidates and their partners. Learn more about the Aperture Group at aptr.group. Starting a lawn care roll-up at 14 years old to now managing over $395 million in venture capital, Joe Maxwell understands what it takes to place the right bets. Tune in to hear about starting a fund, what big investors look for in companies, and how timing can make the biggest difference on this episode of The Cap Table. here live at the Johnny Cash Bar and Barbecue located on 3rd Avenue South right off of Broadway in Nashville, Tennessee. We're grateful for them allowing us to host at this beautiful venue. If you have not been here before, please be sure to check them out to see the warm and personal side of the man in black at the Johnny Cash Bar and Barbecue. What's up, everybody? I'm Garrett Elmore, co-founder, tech entrepreneur, and alternative asset investor. And I'm Haley Sapolsky, a.k.a. Zap, venture capital fundraiser, startup community builder, and blockchain enthusiast. And we're bringing to you The Cap Table, the podcast with intricate investor conversations you've never heard before. From angel investors to partners in billion-dollar funds, we talk with the people who are daring enough to put their own money into something or someone else. The people who take risks, build empires, and focus on gaining success. You can listen to us on all social media platforms. Subscribe to The Cap Table to follow along and learn more about investing. We got Joe Maxwell. Thanks for coming on, Joe. We're, yeah, no problem. We're so glad you're cool venue. Yeah. All right, we we tell everyone this. It's, it's the coolest place that we could have yeah. a podcast at. <laughs> okay, so Joe, you're originally from West Virginia, right? Yes, I am. I'm going to West Virginia next week. Oh, really? I'm going to go do the Golly River. Oh, good. The upper... Have you done the? Go- oh yeah. I'm it's, gonna do the whole it's thing. Intense. I was Eight gonna say hours. West Virginia's yeah. big. So yeah. Do yeah. I need to prepare in myself? Fact, in fact, one of our significant LPs owns. Nine rafting companies. Oh, really? All of them. They own all the rafting companies together. So when you're booked, you think you're in a special company that, that's all. The They're same. all. The it's same. a roll up. It's a rafting. Yeah. It's, a, it's a rafting roll up, and they have nine in, in Wyoming and Colorado. So. That's crazy. Um, very, 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 very short ladders in West Virginia. You, 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 meaning it's not hard to know people. Oh, it's yeah. It's a very small community. What was it like, kind of growing up there, and then? It was great. Uh, you know. Grew up in Huntington, West Virginia, home of the Marshall Thundering Herd, who beat Notre Dame this week, mm-hmm. which you, you have no idea what that means. Uh, <laughs> grew up in Huntington. It was a great 
kind of river and rail, post-World War II, boomtown, beautiful. But it, 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 unfortunately, when you see every single documentary, it's number one on the opioid list. Wow, really? It's literally like a zombie village. So very sad. I spent a lot of time still back. We, we actually have a company in Huntington that's thriving. Um, we what's, built what's the a company? Corten, you okay. know, they're headquartered here, but we yes, have our center of excellence in Huntington. And we have a whole campus downtown for fintech. And my good friend, uh, who was the former chairman and CEO of Intuit, Brad Smith, who's one of arguably one of the top five CEOs in the last decade, is now the president of Marshall University. He went back home. So we're actually working together to build out curriculum. So it's really cool to build, still be involved in the state right now. Cool. And, and so do you, do you try and give back a lot to that community? Yes. I mean, yes. bringing I'm, in. I'm, I'm very tied. Um, uh, we, we, we all work together. It's fascinating when you're from a small town like that, how many folks, we, we all miss it because we had a great childhood. None of us went back, but we all try to give back. So it, it's really neat to see West Virginia now with its natural resources and, 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 and watching them kind of prosper right now with the gig economy and people are actually desiring to go back because it's such a high quality of life. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've never been to West Virginia, but... I'm so excited to go. You'll, you'll enjoy it. It's a, it's a, <laughs> Hopefully it's I fun. come back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you, you're in the... The river's running. It's not going to run as fast this year, though. The rain has not been oh, really? mighty. It'll still be fast. Yeah, but I'm going specifically in that, like, season of yeah, the, the upper most intense... Yeah, you're going in the season of the upper golly. Yeah. They only open it for... The upper two, golly. Yeah. I need to go there because I say golly a lot. Well, there's... <laughs> There's a couple rivers there, and the upper golly is the most intense. It's intense. Yeah. You had an option to do the upper twice or do the full thing, and I decided to do the full thing. I don't want to do the upper twice. (laughs) Smart decision. How old were you when you left West Virginia then? Um, College. You know, I left left West Virginia. You know, it's actually um, my parents were there. I got the opportunity to go way to high school. Um, got an opportunity to go to high school in Virginia. So I actually left when I was 13 or 14, but I always came home and all my friends were there. And it's small when you're from a community like that, you just, you never forget. You just always remember because there's always a connection back. As the song says, country roads, you know, take me home. There's just this connection because it's such a, it it, it is such a unique state. So, uh, you know, I still have ties to the community and, 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 and go back often. Yeah. I'm, Sort of a random time. I'm sort of from I'm from Iowa. Yeah, so I'm a pretty small it. town too. And I think that's one of the appeals of the venture capital industry, even though it's very big and cosmopolitan sometimes compared to my background. It's so it feels like this tiny world to just like get to meet people in constantly. And there's like when you walk into a room, you just oftentimes yeah, run into it, people you it know. Is, I mean, you know, I never intended to be in the venture capital world. What did you it think was you never, were gonna uh, do? It was, I was an entrepreneur for de- multiple decades, just building companies. Yeah. And, you know, I got to the point where I was doing a lot of angel and seed deals, and, and then I institutionalized the practice yeah. and then coalesced a fund. And so it was totally by accident. But you're right. I mean, it is a small community. Uh, I mean, you talk about Iowa. Like, one of our co-investing partners is a venture fund from Iowa, Manchester Story. I mean, really? we're very close to them. It's a small world. You know, it's, it's, it's a small community 
when you're outside of Silicon Valley or mm-hmm. New York. It's, totally. It's, as I said, you know, we're kind of flyover fintech. You know, we're kind of the non-Valley, you know, because there's so much money there. They, 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 you know, you get to Silicon Valley or New York, there's so much venture capital there. And there's so little when you get outside. So, like, funds from Iowa are very close to funds from Tennessee. It's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah. This, this, is, this is unique, too, because I'm with two VC, and I have, like, a small little micro P fund, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But it's, it's super cool to, to hear that you basically, you're like, I, don't, I didn't want to get into VC, right? So, so you said entrepreneurship. Did you start any companies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I founded my first company. Well, first off, I'd always been an entrepreneur, always hustling. What were your hustles? Oh, my gosh. I, as a kid, <laughs> I had so many hustles. I think I rolled up the lawn mowing industry by the age of 14. I realized if you could sell everybody on the block to get their lawn cut on the same day, they would all buy because yeah. it looked uniform. Nobody's mm. grass was out of sorts. So what I did was I realized there was a lot of scale in the lawn community. So I would sell city blocks. I lived in a little town that had blocks. I'd sell each block to get their grass cut. And then I'd outsource the mowing to a kid that lived on the street because then they had accountability for the kid to mow it. And then I would collect the money and then rebate back to him. So I was just rolling (laughs) up the industry. Yeah, because I wanted a moped and my parents wouldn't buy me a moped. So I had to find money to buy a moped. Did you Um, get the moped? Oh, yeah. Tomo was 45. It was... It was bad. I learned how to crank the governor off. It was it was really cool. So we, you know, what other hustle? I, I realized that, you know, Marshall University had football games down the street, and we had an, an empty lot next to my house. Mm-hmm. So I cut a deal with my pops to sell spaces for parking, i.e. tailgating. Yeah. And then I realized I sold a subscription. So if they didn't show up for their space, I would sell it again. Yeah. So I doubled the inventory, and then I realized they all had cocktails, so I sold mixers. <laughs> so I had a whole little, I knew their favorite mixers, and like, you know, I was too young to provide the booze. So I had a whole, and then I, I, I caddied, and I would like manage all the betting on the, uh, in the game and push the hustle yeah. because I'd get a bigger tip if, for the winner. I mean, there was all kinds of hustles. You know, I was always chasing it. But uh, when I got out of graduate school, I started my first company, here in 1994. So you uh, came to Nashville. I came to Nashville to go to graduate school. I had horrible timing in all my career choices. Like, I got out of college. We were in a recession. Couldn't mm. get a job. Yep. Um, I managed through multiple recessions building tech companies. That's why it's going to be so interesting to watch people your age manage this next couple years because sure. you've never been through we it. We talk about all the time yeah. of, yeah. like— it's weird being at a crucial age in the recession where we don't have a ton of money yet, but, like, this is sort of an opportunity for us to, like— And, and we haven't—like, when 2008 hit, you know, in that recession, we were in middle school? Eighth grade, I don't yeah. know, something like that. So we didn't really get to experience yeah. I have that. strong opinions to watch. I'm excited. Any yeah. advice for if you're— well, I mean, there's something? tons of advice. Lots of advice. Um, I, I, I just, there's so much opportunity right now if you grind and take away all the, you know, I look at your generation. You guys have had it so good, you know, 
$20 cheeseburgers, sushi lunches. Like, our generation didn't live like that. Like, I look at my children and, like, the, the experiences and the opportunities you guys get at your age. Yeah. And, you know, when, when, when times get a little more challenging, it's going to be interesting to see. Right now is the best time in the world for the real entrepreneur to emerge. Mm. You know, in my opinion, there's a lot of entrepreneurs in the in the market right now. Totally. Um, and why and, do you why do you think right now is the best? I oh, mean, because you're going to see a restriction to resources for the first time in a while. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing our deal flow is just it's just compounding right now because you know there's not as much early stage capital. People have just kind of pulled back and hit pause a little bit. You know, there's still access to money, but it's just not flowing as as easily as it was mm-hmm. just a year ago. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting, and I think it's going to be a very, very interesting next couple of years that we watch. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so you ended up moving here in 94. Went to graduate school yeah. in 93, 94. Met Juliana, who's now my wife. We got married. <laughs> I, I started a company right out of graduate school on a credit card. Literally, Pisa was my financing entity. Oh. And you still convinced her to marry you. you yeah. Like- well, she had. Uh, she was in the music industry, and she was actually an art an art director. Funny story. She would. Uh, I would come home in the afternoon and cur- be her courier, because back then you'd have to shuttle art on these big SideQuest discs, and you would shuttle art from the studio to the label. Yeah. To the printer, you know. So I was her courier in the afternoons. And then when we got engaged, people, because she was a big deal in the industry, and people were like, oh, how sweet you're marrying your courier. And I was like, you know, that's nothing. And it was funny, you know, I was, I was her courier. So it, it, was, uh, it was funny. So what, was, we, what was the company when, when you started out of, right out of grad school? Yeah, it was called Investment Scorecard. Okay. Um, we were a third-party objective monitoring platform for people's personal portfolios. Mm-hmm. We started it by basically, you know, collecting shoeboxes of investment statements and building a consolidated framework that gave you the questions and the answers against your financial advisors. Because, you know, I'd say, you know, it's amazing. When I was in graduate school, you would study all these allocation methods and portfolio management theories. And I'm like, well, who, who's monitoring, who's taking care of the retiree that has all their money in one bucket and it was your broker. And back then, you'd be like, you know, it, it's like asking the barber if you need a haircut. Of course you do. Yeah. Like, if you ask your broker how they're doing, they all say, I'm doing wonderfully. Well, let's, let's pull it back. So it was actually the first glimpse into democratization of data. Like, if you think about where yeah. we've come from, and we built it on the web, which I might as well had a horn growing out of my head, <laughs> building an application on the Internet in 1993-94. And we built a Whoa. private cloud our own cloud. We ended up building integrations. We started signing fiduciaries on the platform. We turned it from a paper product to a web-based platform, database-driven product. We built an infrastructure, multi, multiple hundred employees. We had 1,200 financial institutions. We wow. monitored multiples of trillions of dollars. It was a great story. It was awesome. It yeah. was a uh, service-enabled platform fintech company sitting here in Nashville, Tennessee. And we had offices throughout New York. And, you know, we, we, and all I did was travel. You know, I just, I just lived on the road. But we built, what an amazing culture. And it's so cool to see how many of those people 
have gone on to do incredible things. So many different companies have been founded out of there. And so it's kind of a, it's kind of a fun grandpa moment to know that, you know, you, <laughs> yeah. you started that and, and, and we built this and we all miss it. Like we have a, like we have a, an alumni group on Facebook. Like really? I get to see all these things. So it's, it was a really cool experience. And so that, that was my entree into and we raised a bunch of capital. I went, through, I went through dot bomb. I went through 9-11. I, I mean, we went through everything you could imagine. And it was fascinating because our valuation would go from top to bottom, top to bottom with these markets. And the only thing that changed every month is that we grew revenue and customer count every month. I mean, it was oh. a, a really fun company to be a part of, but we sold that. In April 7th, 2007, wow. go look at the crash. It was April 8th that the Bear Stearns announcement me? came out. So we were, <laughs> we were cashed out <laughs> the day the market. Because we had, already, we had yeah. already been through dot bomb, 9-11, like next offer, we're selling. Wow. And uh, so, so that, was, that was the, the first day company. before the the. the the Big final crap. meltdown. Yeah, the final. Is, that's the best way to put it. Jeez. And so that that was kind of your your huge intro into, I mean, you sold it, you exited. Is that when you started? You're like, hey, I, I want to go invest or, or were you well, it's, more? It's a really good question because, you know, we, the founders, you know, my mentor, who was a guy that was an investor who was awesome, he had had some money, and but the rest of us were just raw. I mean, we, you know, we... We had no money. I mean, this was everything. So mm-hmm. having some money in the bank, uh, it was odd. It was a little <laughs> weird. But, you know, there were so many good deals on the market. Oh, yeah, because timing. I mean, nobody had cash yeah. and companies. So, so I started. I couldn't help myself. I'm not really a big public market investor because I'm a private sure. markets guy and have access to it. So we started investing and started placing bets. Yeah. Started and 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 but but we we all got together again and built another company. Nice. After that. And then we built the that same one. Same crew. Same crew. We just, you know, put the band back together. So what was, no way. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. So within that sort of crew. which is a sign of investing. Yeah. That, very important. Is is it, what? We back a lot of repeat operators mm. and they we score them on their ability to put the same team back together. Interesting. It's a very strong buying signal. So on that team, like, what roles did people have? Like, who is Joe Maxwell on Product, that team? CTO, Got it. COO. We just kind of divided and conquered. I was the market person. I went out and <laughs> businesses selling pearls you don't have to people that don't know they want them. You know, someone taught me that at a very young age. I you know, love you, that. You, you got to kind of be... You, 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 you got to be at the tip of the spear out there convincing people that there's a market for what you want to build because most people haven't built it yet. Yeah. You're just contemplating yeah. building it. Uh, so, so when you're talking about teams, that, that that's a that's a strong signal. What what if a team failed that you invested in and they're like, hey, I have another. That, they're my number one. Really, really? I love I love people that have failed to back. They mm. learn so much more. Um, humble. Honest, hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Generally, when you have a failure behind you, you have a huge chip. Um, mm. it, it, you've learned so much. Sometimes, now, 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 if they failed because of the team 
or, 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 or bad partnerships, that's different. If they fail because markets changed, I mean, you know, I was reading in LinkedIn, this darling company over the last 10 years, they're one of the best companies out there in fintech, they just closed up shop. Just, just, I couldn't believe it. And they were in the student debt when the government paused mm. student debt financing and, and paying. Oh, they gosh. couldn't make it through COVID. And I was thinking, I couldn't believe this company just shuddered. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was one of the darlings. So you never know if market conditions mm-hmm. yeah. can change, regulation. You know, there's, sometimes you just don't see what's around the corner. And not, not all teams are trained for that, but, but on their next deal, they have spidey sense for it. You know, they, they're doing every little, they, as I say, when you're with teams and you're on as many boards as I sit on, there's the soft correct, like with your dog, and then there's the hard correct. <laughs> and teams that have failed, they know when to hit the hard correct. They're like, no, I'm never doing that again. Yeah, Totally. Yeah, I can attest. I've I've been a part of the, of a few, and it's uh, especially at this age, and it's it's a weird uh, thing thing to to go through. But but you you learn a lot, and so people after, that have failed can handle success a lot better. Mm, that's a good way to put it. So so what what was your transition into? So you started that other company, and then you were, were you doing these kind of investing? I was on, on the, the side. side? Yeah. I was just I got sucked into you know. I, into angel investing and then a lot of people invite you like hey we sit on this board you know being a sub 40 year old tech person sitting in a community like nashville where the tech the tech infrastructure was really starting to grow mm-hmm. but we were a lot more veteran sure mm-hmm. especially being cloud people like we understood how to scale and build on this set of rails called the internet. Yeah, you, know, you were ahead of the game. We were way ahead of the before game. Before it even was Way ahead there. of the game. Yeah. I mean, we were building our own clustered networks and, and you know, dialing up desktops, desktop for processing at night. We had a full virtual, our own cloud, our own data center, our own generators. I mean, because none of that stuff was available. Like, AWS didn't exist. Yeah. It, it was, we had to build all that, you know. So were you, were you more tech background or were you more business and, and you found the I tech? was business I was probably just more curious. I mean, sure. I was a logic and language major. Like, mm. you know, I, I like, <laughs> I was just curious in models evolving. So tech was perfect for my energy yeah. uh, and, and the curiosity. Um, so, so technology was perfect. So probably greatest strength for me was being able to identify the opportunity and and meld the product to it and really mm-hmm. build an MVP, not over-architect. Mm-hmm. Build a, a light product. I see so many people build too much technology. And th- that's the danger you get when you have a pure tech founder. Mm-hmm. They way over-engineer and over-architect a product. Whereas if you have more of a product Focus, you'll MVP the product and wait till it fails and then scale. Like, find out what the, what the real business model is before you spend all these dollars on engineering sure. because, you know, you're throwing away so much investment. Would you say to use tech as, you know, a good to have for a business or, and not a crutch? Or, or do, you, do you think revolving tech around? Well, I'm a must-have with tech. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't invest in anything but tech. I think, 
I think a better way to the, the way I've always looked at it is this a technology looking for a market or is the technology solving a problem? Because you'll, 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 and you guys will find this, you'll find a lot of really inspiring, young, impressive tech entrepreneurs, but you're like, what problem are you solving? Like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> the best tech never wins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never. Yeah. The crappiest tech often will win with really good salespeople sitting in front of it. God, that's crazy. So I always sold. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to get customers to buy it. Sure. Well, well, and then talk. talk let's let's jump into FinTop. So, so what's FinTop? How did you start it? When when did this whole well, thing come about? We, we built the second company, which we were able to scale and exit for a fifth of the amount of capital in half the amount of time with a better outcome. Was that just learning from the first yes. time? Different mar- It was really just learning to do it faster, 100%. better. Serial. Serial entrepreneurs are so much easier to back. I'm just going to be honest. Like, it's hard, good to know. it's hard to feed baby birds. Baby birds. <laughs> it's hard. They, they require a lot. You got to drop worms. Sometimes yeah. they don't eat. Yeah. You got to pick which ones eat and which ones don't. You know, serial, serial operators, it's just, it's just, there's a little premium in backing them, but it's well worth paying yeah. that we've learned. Uh, second business we exited sold that in 2015 but along the way had put together some pretty successful syndicated angel deals just deals I was going to invest in or and you were doing that I was doing it just saying hey I like this deal I'm going to put money in it and then I'm calling the people that had invested in in me in the past and be like hey you want and they were all like yeah let's, let's do it let's do it and then we had some some real success along the way. And then when, when we got out of the, the, the second company, uh, some folks were like, hey, have you thought about institutionalizing the investment practice? Because 2015, there were, there were only like two fintech-focused funds in existence. There's no over way. 150 now. This is seven years ago, two. And they were big, and they were people I knew really, really well. These sure. were the folks that I, I had known. And you understand when 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 I come along. So I was sitting there at four. I wasn't fifty years old yet, and I'm going. You know, as a almost fifty year old professional, I kind of know where the bodies are buried right now, and mm. know where the tech needs to be refreshed, and I understand where the modernization of the rails are needed in this thing they call fintech that became white hot, but we were way early. I remember when we pitched raising our first fund, which is the hardest thing I've ever done. doesn't matter how successful you are. No one will give you money. Yeah. That's why it was the hardest thing you've ever done. Yeah, I mean, our founders of FinPop was the co-founder of Square. I mean, if you looked at it, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, this is It should be easy to back. Yeah. Yeah. Why, Why do you think people... Because institutional investors don't back young funds. Mm. So you have to go get individual money. Sure. And, and what was your first fund? What were you going out and raising? 50 on the cover. Okay. We hit it, but... Took a while or, or was took it... Took a long time. Really? It was really... It was interesting. Learned a lot. Pivoted. We had all this interest from the institutional investors and then not, not one of them invested, but they're just very collegial. They just mm-hmm. don't tell you no. So we learned that 
get them, force them to know very quickly. Sure. And then we stopped and then we pivoted and went totally for family office, high net worth, went to our market, went to all the people we knew, and then we were able to raise the money. Wow. And, and and this is a fund where 30% of the money was us, was already our money. Like, Yeah, so you're already... We're the largest investors in all of our funds. We're the largest investors in all of our funds. And that's actually a negative to the institutions. And I was like, (laughs) why is that a negative? This doesn't make sense. Yeah, because we we own too much. Mm. Yeah. Well, you're not going to own it. You don't want one LP. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it it just doesn't. Don't get me started. Uh, So we went out. We actually, the way we got it, we did two deals with our own money to prove that we had a pipeline. Both those deals have been huge successes. Really? Um, And then we said we will convert our ownership into the fund as part of our call, capital call. So the the fund was pre-wired. We had already had money, and that got people really comfortable. Because what happens with when entrepreneurs build funds, you you don't know if they're going to get bored chase a company. This is why I understand why the institutions are very, very nervous when, when people with domain expertise and, and, and entrepreneurs choose, you know, chase funds, or you don't know if they're going to be undisciplined deal junkies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I get why they like to come in and fund four five, six, you know, that's kind of when they show up. Um, so we went out, we did raise on the cover. We, we knocked the cover off the ball. We've done, we had 13 companies. Um, it's by 2000, by mid-year last year, we had all the money returned, cash, over. Like, we're in the money. And, and when, was that, when was that fund launched? 2015. 2015. 16. Okay. And we closed it in 16. We did a deal in 15. We closed the deal. In, so it's a 16 vintage. That's how these funds work. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. when you close the fund is the vintage of the fund. So gotcha. we're in top decile of 16. Nice. In, in the country. And so you just returned cash last year, you said. We finished returning the entire fund. Nice. And we still, our four best performers are still in it. Great. Wow. Holy yeah. yeah, and that's what it's been so cool. Just, I, you know, I wasn't super familiar with Fintop. Zap was as well. But, but the more I've been looking into it, the, the more it's just like the, the success. And you guys just had another great um, close of, of your fund, mm-hmm. right? Um, how, how recently ago was that? Uh, we just closed Fund 3. Fund 3. Just recently, like very recent, a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah. And that's I, I saw it on LinkedIn. And so, yeah, yeah. It, it was, uh, you know, Fund 1 was 50. Fund 2 was 125. Fund 3 was 220. That's scaling um, up for sure. And, and going through this, what's been, I mean, you said your first fund was the hardest does it get easier after funds or is it hard still? No it's always what? hard to, to, I mean, you got to take fundraising very seriously. It's, it's hard as what, what's hard. I mean, you know, it's, it's your job. Sure. So I think we have a larger demand on administrative infrastructure. You know, you've got to run a very, very good back office. You've got to stay very disciplined. You've got to stick to your thesis, stay true to where you came from. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's really easy to lose sight as you have larger access to larger capital. So you just got to really stick to your knitting. Um, and it's, it's, you know, we've stuck to our playbook. And, and, you know, I think we've gotten really good at this. Nice. Mm-hmm. And, and what's been 
through, throughout this process now, I mean, you, you guys have been doing extraordinarily well. I mean, what's, what's kind of your go-to strategy when, when you're reaching out to these companies? Is it, do you focus on, we, we, we like to ask this a lot, are you more people-based? Are you more on the idea now for, for companies that oh. you guys invest in? So, so we'll have our thesis, like, we were early on, so, so we'll have our pillars or thesis. You know, we've kind of got, and this isn't absolute, but it's kind of where it fits. We've got our office of the CFO, you know, all of these embedded payments, everything that wraps around the ERP, APAR, you know, all these, these business processes, compliance, DEI, ESG, you know, all these things that are hitting the CFO of these big complex financial institutions. We kind of wrap that. We've got uh, banking as our biggest vertical, uh, bank tech. Mm-hmm. We've got payments, loans, marketplace, you know, so we, we really understand the banks really well. We've got two JV funds that have 100 plus banks as LPs. Nice. So we have this huge platform to vet all the technology through the banks, which has worked really well. We've got capital markets, both private and public. And on the, on, the, on the public side, it's mostly wealth technology. We have, you know, four, four or five wealth technology companies that are all doing really well. And then we've got a domain expertise in private capital markets. You know, all the technology that venture capital and private equity operate on, that's what we came from. That's what my second company was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Rick Cushell, the co-founder with me, he was in that space too. And we got together and we ended up cutting a deal at whoever gets bought first by the other company. And we did that. And then we spun out and started Fintop. So oh, it's okay. awesome. You know, he's in New York. Um, so that, that's kind of the pillars. So we, we, we see trends within these pillars and we sure. really understand the unbundling right now that's going on in FinTech. So, so What does that mean? Yeah. Exactly? So, so we grew up in a time of enterprise software. So if you think about it, the 80s and 90s, 2000s was a time of enterprise applications, the SAPs, the Oracles, you know, where these large domain platforms of data stores, whether it's clearing the trades or, or, or clearing the bank accounts, whatever it may be, they would bundle and buy and, and, and start to integrate the technology through acquisition. Mm-hmm. And then they would start, they would end up with enterprise technology, um, and big stacks of technology. But we did not have the ability to connect applications. So if you think about the ability to connect applications in the cloud, you know, through microservicing and APIs, we've, we've democratized the stack. So now we can unbundle the platforms. And now we can go to point solutions that are so much more effective at solving the problem and we can unbundle now Mm. and so if you look at these these monolithic platforms that banks and brokerage firms and they have to operate on they're 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 captive you know they're they're handcuffed so now we're going through a period of unbundling so we can go in and find point solutions Mm. and then what's going to bundle it back is it the super app you know so now we're just going through another cycle of technology and then we've got you know you, 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 you've got some really interesting coalescing platforms through the blockchain and, and digital assets yeah. that are on the horizon that we believe this is going to be the, the next generation platform technology. So how do we bridge from where we are to there? And, sure. and that's kind of, we. if you go into our portfolio, it is the most boring <laughs> 
I, I like to major in things that have no sex appeal. Yeah. We have just workflow, awful, no direct-to-consumer. We are like the opposite of anything just that's back sexy. In. Yeah, it's back office. Yeah. It's all analog to digital. We just Foreign look. businesses are on trend right now. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. are. They are. And, and it seems like you've been really good at staying ahead of the curve. Hmm? What, what was your... What did you see in Nashville? Why did you stay when you were, especially in fintech? Because I would assume— It's not a fintech town, but it's, it, it doesn't matter. It's not that it's not. It's just it's a healthcare publishing town. Mm-hmm. And, sure. And I'm glad that's here. Um, it, it, let's be honest. You, you don't really—you're not really anywhere anymore. I mean, mm. let's be blunt. Like, you know, the, but even like, you know, eight years ago, did people sort of give you a hard time for being in Nashville or were they always? They did. There was a, it wasn't, I didn't, never had a hard time. Nashville's been good to me. Never, it's been great. I think, no, because the, if you, you know, I was able to say, look, look at growth of FinTech, look at the growth in the Southeast. We're kind of a, um, a gateway into all these fintech markets that you don't have access to. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, Silicon Valley VCs are not walking around Huntsville, Alabama, and Birmingham, and Nashville. They say they are, but yeah. they're not yeah. looking for mm-hmm. deal flow. Um, so we do have a really good access to deal flow. We have good deals. So 93% of our deal flow is organic. Wow. What do you mean organic? We like don't reach introdu- out. We've never reached out to a company. That's incredible. It's just, all it's just our network. Intro- okay, yeah. All in our network. That's really 100% incredible. in our network. And when did you all start investing in blockchain technologies? This year. Really, just this year? Just this year. You know, and I've, we've had, it, it, we've lurched towards it, step back, lurched, step back, and then we finally committed. And you're mm. like, this, okay. And we, we, we've committed, we're in. Um, it's fun to watch it develop. So we have a we have a blockchain fund um, with the banks that we're partners with. So that's why I was curious. Is I didn't totally under you have a separate fund that's focusing on yes. blockchain. Okay. Yeah, we have five funds. Three are pure fintop. Two are JVs with Jacobs Asset Management, which was a hedge fund in New York that got in. They they've been investing in banks forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cy Jacobs is the founder of that. And if you go to the Big Short, the book. On page two, he's the first guy, so he's an, he's a fascinating guy. Oh, nice. So I love Cy, and and, yeah. and and he he was one of the characters, um, you know that that was early in the big short on the mortgage. Yeah, short. So he's been they've been investing in and around banks forever, and they approached us and said, "Hey, would you? We'll deliver the banks if you do the investing." And then when we get bank tech deals and blockchain deals, we do them in partnership with them. Mm-hmm. It's worked very well. So we have a whole network that they run with 100-plus banks that we have access to. And they're great banks. Like, it, it, I think if you add up the assets of all of our bank tech networks, it's the third largest bank in America. Holy smokes. That's- wow. oh, and one of our other guests, we had Harry Allen with Studio Bank on. So they mm-hmm. started their bank, what, 2018, I think? Something like that. And it was interesting to learn about, like, he was just saying, you know, it's easy for Studio Bank to have an edge because they aren't stuck to this uh, sort of historic technology. Mm -hmm. They got to start fresh, get everything that's, there's no, like, unbundling of, like, these old systems that they're just sort of strapped to. And so they, and 
obviously, I don't know a ton about sort of the banking industry, but it was interesting to hear, like, we can be edgy and different because yeah. we just immediately went to what's hot, sexy, and works a lot better than sort of what banks were using a decade ago. Yeah. So that's well, really I interesting. Mean, that's a bank. Oh, is it? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Can you Thread. tell us about yeah. that? Yeah, Thread, Thread Bank, which I'm the chairman of. Uh, so I've been in and around banking for 30 years. Yeah. Um, I've been in so many boardrooms, board discussions, the highest level strategic technology discussions you could ever fathom in banking. We are partners with the biggest banks in the world in our deals. So, you know, banking is an expertise. So, when, when, you, when you look at what's happening, the largest business model shift, one of the largest I've ever witnessed, is going to be banking in the next 10 years. Hmm. Because niche, verticalized, whatever you want to call it around technology, I believe niche or verticalization will be the new community. It won't be community banking. It'll mm-hmm. be the community you live in with technology. Mm-hmm. If you think about how we interact with our technology is incredibly intelligent. <laughs> it's vertical. Uh, it understands what business I'm in, and banking needs to adapt to that. And, mm-hmm. and it's just deposits, loans. It's yeah. the same as it always has been. But if you look at the, the technological refit within banking, it's got to be a holistic new approach. Mm-hmm. So you hear a lot of comments about BAS, banking as a service. You hear about neobanking. Mm-hmm. You hear about renting a charter. You hear about all these Right now, you hear about the regulatory headwinds on integrating fintechs into banking. Well, last year was the first time in America people opened more banks on software that these hatch and out. They're not banks. They're applications that wire into banks. So, A, we did more loans last year outside of the banking industry than in the banking industry. And we Holy opened smokes. more deposit accounts outside of banking than in banking. So you think that trend's going to stop. So I, I teamed up with some really smart bankers, and I said, you know, why wouldn't we go out and find a bank to retrofit and get ready for this? Yeah. Because we see the puck. So a group of us went out, and we located and identified a small bank in East Tennessee. We're leaving it. You know, it's still got, and then we're retrofitting it to be a 100% digital bank. So if you go to ThreadBank right now, I challenge you to open an account. It is the most elegant digital experience. It is, it will rival Hatch. Really? And it's 100% digital. I've got my Thread accounts and everything's amazing. You authenticate, you can move money through Plaid. You, I mean, it's amazing. And it's, it's our bank and it's ThreadBank. And so you'll, you'll learn more about us, but I mean, it's not a traditional bank. Banks in Nashville, we're not competitors. I mean, we're just wiring fintechs directly into the banking system. That's such a cool alternative to to banking, I feel like. I didn't even know. know. Well, and there are banks all over. I mean, you know, my my co-founder at Fintop is the co-founder of Square. And, you know, Square didn't exist 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're one of the largest financial institutions in the world. And yeah. it's pretty amazing that Jim McKelvey is now the chairman, deputy chairman of the St. Louis Fed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's a fintech person. That's crazy. Because the Fed is finally realizing we have got to understand. I mean, think of it. Square, they own Cash App. 
They own uh, Afterpay, Square Capital. Sure. Uh, they have an ILC charter. So now, overnight, Square has become one of the largest banks in the country, and they didn't even exist 12 years ago. That is just a glimpse into the power of technology. Yeah. That's nuts. What, and, and what, I mean, outside of just kind of this, this whole thing with, with Fintop, I mean, you, you do individual investing as well. Yeah, what, what are you into? I do, yeah. I do, but I, I, I guard myself because my primary focus is Fintop. I don't sure. want to dilute. I, I, I do find, and I, I have an active angel investing. There's certain things that I just, do you, I just fall in like? love with yeah. that I yeah. just go, I, I just... You know, it's just I do it, and, yeah. and 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 it's fun. I try not to try to limit you know, how much time, but yeah, I can't say no to everything. Do you do real estate at all or anything? Yeah, yeah. I have some real estate exposure. Okay, um, I've been active in the opportunity zone opportunities. Nice, um, but I don't do it. I say I don't do it active, but now I'm actively involved in one. I, yeah, I I don't. This it's fun. Try, yeah, trying trying to keep keep your lane, but it's it's hard to, to go yeah, outside. It's hard. Yeah, I'm not not a big social. You know, it's, it's that's my social time. Like yeah, you know, like when you came into here, you're like, I'm not a Broadway guy. I, I came down to Broadway in, in however long. And, it's cool, but yeah. we are building a glass blowing studio with an event center, coffee shop, and bar that I'm going to work as a barista on the weekends. So I've always wanted to own a really? coffee shop. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to be the coolest. We're the largest city in America without a place to blow glass. Really? And if you think, what's the coolest way to go drink coffee, hang out, have a drink, than watching professional glass blowers in this cool environment – I mean, you're hooked right now. You oh, want to go? So, yeah. You see my look? Yeah. 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 So, Wait, so, so can you go? It's Wyatt, my son, my yeah. oldest son, was yeah. a glass blower, and he had nowhere to blow glass, and he had this business plan. And I said, dude, you're not going to be able to do it in Nashville. The real estate's too expensive. Mm. Like, this is crazy. Like, and he kept dogging, and he kept dogging, and then he's like, hey, Dad, have you heard of these things called opportunity zones? And then he had the map, and he's like, did you know Wedgwood, Houston is an opportunity zone where yeah. the new soccer factory, soccer stadium is? I said, yeah. And sure enough, man, he finds this old chili factory that was off market, found somebody, and the he owner, an the owner, deal. it was off market, Dang. was not for sale, and the owner actually watches the Netflix show Blown Away and was mm. like, are you going to build one of these? And we ended up getting it off market. It's, uh, and, and so we, we're, we should have building permits any day. It should be open at the beginning of the year next year. Um, and it's going to be an event center. So what I wanted to do was have an event center for tech companies mm-hmm. with art. So if you want to host conferences or events at night, there's what better way to marry art and technology to have an environment that's safe and cool and open. So we'll be able to house about 300 people. There'll be an open event with glass blowing in the back. And uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be way cool. It's it's such a cool way to br- to bring people together as well. Will you, will you guys be selling the the glass right yeah, there? Yeah, we'll have custom. There? We'll have a gallery, full gallery in the studio, where you can get custom lighting, you can get work done, and we'll have production work as well as well. Um, so it, it's basically coffee, a bar, and and food. So we're gonna have you know a, a light fair menu. Uh, with a, a full commercial kitchen so we can do pop-up restaurants and house chefs chefs if you want to do events. 
So it'd be, it, it, it's going to be a little different. It'll be cool. Yeah. It's a family yeah, business now, too. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cool. Yeah. And, so and I cool. can pull shots on the weekend. Like, yeah. I can, and you know, You're I'm going to really get a, gonna be in I'm going to get a boo-boo hat. And my, <laughs> my boys are like, they're going to get me platform Doc Martens. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be rocking Yeah, I'm going to get a Vespa and like hang out. And, and uh, You'll be working the cash register. <laughs> we, no cash. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Oh yeah, D- digital only, just tap and pay. Yeah, that's right. And uh, it will will Thread be the the bank you guys will use? Of course, already is. Okay, yeah. there you of go. It, and that's going to open next year. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, if you drive by it right now, if you go down Craighead Street on the way to the stadium mm-hmm. from Eighth, mm-hmm. and you're on the right, you go under 440. It's that big white factory on the right, and oh. there's a big sign on it coming soon, and you put the QR exactly. code. I know exactly where it and is. it's. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 gonna be uh, it's gonna be cool. Gosh, that's that's amazing. Um, and then I, I guess to kind of wrap things up, what what do you have to when other people are, are kind of wanting to get involved in this? I mean, do you have like a structure you stay to? It seems like you got a lot going on. I mean, what's what's kind of your your like advice for people going out there doing things and you know keeping a structure or networking and, and things like that. What have you found to be like? Well, I find what you two are doing is just dead on. I mean, it's just you got to be positive. You got to be committed. There's so many negative Nancys out there mm. that just want to be just suck the life out of you, <laughs> and you just got to keep them out of your life. You know, I have a very short list. You know, do you want to be a faucet or a drain? And yeah. and always be a faucet, and 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 like you that. know energy attracts. It's physics. I mean, energy attracts energy. It's a lot of eors in in startups that want to hang out and just complain, and 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 I just don't have any time for it. You I know? love that. It's it's so easy to open it up and and listen to them. So so it's it's the best entrepreneurs will always find a way to emerge. I get so worn out when I hear, oh, how tough it is to get capital. And I'm like, hey, guys, look, good businesses, you know, capital is like water. It finds its way to the source that needs it the most. Mm -hmm. There's no water Mm -hmm. in the desert for a reason, you know. (laughs) It's it's like, you know, think about it. So so if capital is the reason you can't get out and build your dream, then you know what? It's a bad idea. Move on. Stop. You know, like, if, if, if you can build a business, you know, show me a business with revenue and I can show you a business that can be successful. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's, it's, it's fascinating how many tests we put entrepreneurs through because we are them. Mm-hmm. Little things. Scrubbing their expense accounts before due diligence to see how they travel. Where do they stay? Such a glimpse into the. You look into that. That's great. Oh, 100%. That's, that's great. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> I just this had... is my first job where I have, like, a, you know, are business. Are you a Southwest or card? are you flying first class? <laughs> I mean, are you. Well, literally everything I spend money on, I ask permission and they're like, Zap, you got to stop doing that. And I'm yeah. like, I've had Good a budget you. of zero. Can I go get coffee? They're like, yes. <laughs> and I have to pick, yeah, which. Um, 
because uh, I'm only 26, so I've been asking my friends, I have to pick which airline I want to, like, commit to to rack up points, and I've only flown Southwest Spirit. Southwest Visa card. Spirit. <laughs> yeah. you, oh, you've upgraded from Spirit box. to Southwest. Oh. Uh, that's great. I can't tell you how many Spirit flights I've taken, or Frontier is my big one. I'm on an Allegiant <laughs> flight Friday, so it doesn't, trust me, like, it's just in your DNA. Yeah. And that's, that's a really interesting point. Like, yeah. during interviews, like, when I was scaling companies, I would do all these tests to see. Just, like, slide it in there. Like, I would what, slide it in. And, be like, and then people would be like, well, what's Southwest? I'm like, X, that's my corporate airline. You know, like, you know, because, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see all the little tests. Uh, take an entrepreneur to a restaurant and watch how they t- t- treat people. Mm. They'll you know, drop, an, a, drop a, a fork on the ground and see if they pick it up or they wait for the waiter to do it. You know, there's all these little, because that's how they're going to treat people and that's how they're going to treat their investors and that's how they're going to treat their customers. Wow. You know, there's, it was really tough during COVID because we, we, there's a couple of deals that slid into the fund we call COVID deals because we have this absolute mandate that you break bread and you go hang out and you spend mm. a day and a half, two days with these founders because you want to see, you know, how they treat others. You, you invite them to you little things like you show up for due diligence at their office with no agenda. Yeah. To see if they take it over and how they, how they act when there's not an agenda. You know, there's it's all these little uh, nuggets that's genius. Oh, watch everyone watch yourself uh, when you raise money from Fintop. Yeah. They're looking. <laughs> well, everybody is. Everybody, it's not Fintop. Yeah. It's, you know, OPM is, you know, when you, when you take other people's money, you sit down with everybody. Because this happened to me. First time I took outside money, an investor said, okay, you now no longer work for yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the best way to not to build the most successful business, don't ever raise capital. Like, those are my heroes. When you can build a big business and never raise money, like, I'm like, way to go. Like, because, especially with this generation, being accountable and understand that you're a servant to other people's capital is not something people are used to seeing. It's mm-hmm. a lot taken for granted. It's like yes. expected now. It's yeah. expected. Yeah. Like asking you a question, what keeps you up at night? Well, sure. The first answer should be a return for your money. <laughs> yeah. You know, delivering a return or people that just can't believe that someone invested in their company versus, you know, raising capital has become a business model. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's very, very, very foreign to me. So we just try to keep things real and be old school about it. Yeah. And then do you, do you have any structure in your personal life? I mean, do you, do you have a set schedule? Do you kind of fly by the seat of your pants? What's, what's normally like keeps you moving and, and, and in line, you know, pretty, pretty structured, pretty disciplined on time management. You know, I set blocks on my calendar, Mm. um, big blocks for time. That's why otherwise it'll just get hijacked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That way you can make time. Uh, try to create capacity in my schedule. Sure. Always. Yeah. Always trying to create capacity. Um, started practicing. <laughs> Every Sunday I look at my calendar and any meeting that drains me, I find a way to cancel. <laughs> we <laughs> or put somebody else in it. We're glad we didn't get canceled uh, here. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, 
it's uh, I'm, I'm not that you know not that prescriptive, but <laughs> trying to trying to just create capacity and keep energy. So I you know it's, I stay very disciplined about time and time management. Awesome, it's important. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, with with all of us. Well. Do you have anything else? No, this was great, Joe. Thank no, you I'm, so much. I'm excited for what you guys do. Look, it's critical. I can't believe it, but, like, my generation is kind of assuming the patriarch mantle of a lot of these things in Nashville and going on. And, like, for me, like, you guys provide more inspiration to me than anything. And I don't think you guys realize that. Like, that next generation giving back. Like, this city yeah. has been so good to me, and I, and I wish I could do more. And as I get older i will do more but i need to plug into the generation that's doing it yeah um so i think it's just fantastic that you're you're out here doing things like this because we have to and 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 it just you know you never know that next wide-eyed entrepreneur that's that needs a community Mm -hmm. and it's really important that we all work together to provide that community yeah and that's what that's what i appreciate that and that's what we're trying to build is is just kind of a a small little group that that can you know learn learn about the the hard ropes of of this whole journey i mean you know entrepreneurship is a series of passions it's not a job there's no career in this Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's it's for the unemployables i mean let's be blunt you know most entrepreneurs couldn't keep a job i mean let's just be brutally honest it's (laughs) we're difficult you're hitting home yeah, yeah i mean like we're you know it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's there's Joe. He's difficult, <laughs> challenging, and difficult. Okay, he's hard. Yeah. He's hard. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, Joe, we appreciate it again. Um, we'll, we'll definitely look forward to staying in, in touch and following your journey from the events to FinTop to your personal investing and everything in between, and yeah. um, through LinkedIn or, or wherever we can find you. But Great. Um, yeah, we appreciate having you on again. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> awesome.